0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? If so, can it be proven? And You know, this morning we are celebrating the resurrection, and we need to understand that the resurrection is the linchpin of the gospel. You know what a linchpin is? It's in a wagon wheel. It's that pin that's right there in the middle. If you pull that pin out, then what happens to the wagon? Everything falls off, the cart turns over, and everything is destroyed within that cart. And that's what the resurrection is like for those of us who believe in in Jesus. If the resurrection did not happen, there's a thousand things that we can talk about that, are, that we have a problem with what we believe. I'm going to give you two of them. Number one, if the resurrection didn't really happen, then Jesus is a false witness. He's a liar. He said that he would rise from the dead multiple times, he told his disciples this. So if the the resurrection didn't happen, he was a false witness, a false prophet. And secondly, Paul says, the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're gonna go through, we're gonna keep referring to 1 Corinthians 15 throughout this message. But Paul says that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're still in our sins. Our sins were not paid for. God did not accept the sacrifice So we need to understand that this is an important, this is the important event that happened in the Gospels that we need to know. Did the resurrection really happen? You know, the majority of the world, if we were to go out and talk to people, those who have lived on the face of the earth, whether now or before us or the future, most people would say no. Or they would say, it may have, but it really doesn't matter to me. That's sad for those of us who believe, isn't it? But you know, if I were to go around the room here this morning and, and do a poll, I'm pretty confident because I know most everyone in this room, most of us, the majority of us would say, yes, it happened. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. But if that's you, if you say, yes, he did rise from the dead, I want to ask you something. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that jesus rose from the dead now my testimony is that i grew up in the church i can't remember a day that i didn't know the name of jesus i don't remember when i didn't know about the resurrection at age six i came to a place where i put my faith in jesus i believe that he lived a perfect life i believe that he died in my place took my punishment and that he rose from the dead i believe that at age six but as i got older and i entered into let's say middle school years I got uh, around different people who had different views, different religious views, different worldviews, and so I began to question whether or not Christianity is true or not. How do I know that the Word of God is true? And my reasoning went like this. I can remember talking to my dad, uh, who was raised in Burma, that was a Buddhist country. I said, you know what, if I had been born in a Buddhist family, I would have been what? a Buddhist. If I'd been born in an atheist's family, I would be an atheist. And that was my, my reasoning. And a lot of times when I would talk to people about this, they would, they would just basically hold up the Bible and say, look, this is the Word of God. It's inspired by, by God, and so we know it's true, and so you just need to believe it. That was an answer that was given to me back in the day. And there was this hymn that we used to sing on Easter Sunday. It's called, He Lives. And the chorus goes like this. I'm not going to sing it, but it goes, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me in a long life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. And then here's the phrase I want you to hear. He says, you ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Yes, that was the thing. But you know, when I was a child, that was cool. I was like, yeah, yeah. But as I got older, answers like that and answers like, you know, just believe because it's the word of God were not sufficient for me anymore. And here's why. It's because I began to meet other, other people like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and Muslims who would hold up their holy scriptures and say the exact same thing. And they would point to their heart and say, we know in our hearts that this is true. And because that was being said to me, I was like, that's the same thing I'm saying. So what's the difference? And bottom line is what I wanted is I wanted evidence. I wanted evidence that what I believed was true. And the question I have had to ask is, is it okay to ask that? And I'm gonna ask you this this this, this morning. Is it okay for us as believers to say, can, is the resurrection true can we in other words can we question the resurrection is it okay to want proof um some people would say no you've just got to believe but you know what i don't i don't buy that and this is why the reason i don't buy that is because for me to believe without proof is not good enough for me because it wasn't good enough for the disciples and we're going to see that in our passage this morning that just Jesus' words were not enough prior to them seeing him to prove to them that he was going to rise from the dead. He told them, like I said earlier, he told them over and over, I'm going to be punished, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. But this passage teaches us that nobody, not one person, not one of his disciples believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Even though they, like I said, had been with Jesus for three plus years, even though they had heard his teachings, not one of them believed without evidence. And so I would say, is it okay for us to ask for evidence? I would say, absolutely, it is okay. Now let's look at Mary. Mary, what does she do? She goes to the tomb. What is she expecting? She's expecting to anoint a dead body. She was not going to the tomb expecting to see an empty grave. And so when she sees the tomb, what does she do? She runs back to Peter and and the other disciples, and what does she say? He's a lot. No, she does not say that. She says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they, whoever they are, have taken him. Who were they? I don't know. Maybe she thought that grave robbers came and stole the body, or maybe she thought that the Jewish officials had taken the body. The point I want to make here is she did not expect to see an empty tomb. She expected to see the dead body of Jesus. And then there's Peter and John in our passage. She tells them, what do they do? They don't go to her and go, Mary, look, that makes sense. Of course, he rose from the dead. No, they get up and run down. It says in verse 6 that when Peter got there, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head now in verse 6 when it says he saw the linen cloths that's the same word as behold he beheld he examined what the evidence did he believe no Look what it says. It says, uh, and the face cloth, which had been lying on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. John saw and believed, or at least he began to believe, because in verse 9 it says, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he had to rise from the dead. Other gospels, talking about Peter, we know Peter didn't believe, because it, it says that he went away perplexed. He went away scratching his head. What in the world has just happened? He went away bewildered. What about Thomas? What's Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas. You know, it's funny because it's as if he was the only one who doubted. They all doubted that he had raised, been raised from the dead. However, once the rest of the disciples see Jesus has been raised from the dead... They go, Thomas wasn't there. They go, Thomas, we saw him. What does he say? Verse 25, chapter 6, verse 25, what does he say? He says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never, I will never believe. What is he saying? He's saying, I need proof. I'm not taking your testimony for it. I need proof for myself. None of them, not one of them, would believe in the resurrection without evidence. And so the question I want us to ask this morning is can the resurrection still be proven today? Is there enough reasonable evidence to validate the resurrection? Now, What if I told you that this morning, before any of you got here, that I was in this back room over here, and back there while I was praying, asking the Lord to give me a message for today, that I looked up and Jesus was standing right in front of me in his resurrected body, and that I touched him, that I talked to him, that we laughed together, that he actually prayed with me before I came out here. Would any of you guys believe me? Anybody? Not even, would you believe me? My wife wouldn't even believe me. Listen, if, and you know what? The truth is, if that happened, I wouldn't tell you. Because you, I know you wouldn't believe me. And I wouldn't believe you either. Even though if it really happened, how would I prove that to you? Well, Jesus himself told his disciples that he said that, you know what? For some, no matter how much evidence you give them, he was talking to uh, about Lazarus and and the rich man. He said, even if a man rises from the dead, they won't believe it. If Jesus was standing up here right here with me, some, maybe all of us would not believe that that was Jesus. And yet he gives evidence, doesn't he? In the book of John, there's seven, at least seven signs, not, not including the resurrection, that John points out. One of them being the account of Lazarus. Remember Lazarus who died? And it said that Jesus brought him back from the dead. All, now listen, all of the Jewish leaders, all of them knew, they acknowledged, yes, he is raised from the dead. Did they believe in him? No. What did they do? We've got to kill him now. Kill Jesus and we're gonna kill Lazarus again. It, it, it didn't matter what the evidence was, they were not going to believe. So to answer the to ask to answer the question, can the resurrection be proven? To some, the answer is no. It doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how much proof is given. But let me ask you this: Do you believe that President Lincoln Died by assassination, a gunshot wound to the back of the head. Is there anyone here that does not believe that? Okay, so I'm assuming that most of us believe that, but why? None of us were here, except maybe Charlie. None of us were here. He didn't laugh at that. Okay, that was supposed to be funny, man. He wasn't there. Just kidding. None of us were there, were there? That's not a real photograph of it. There was no video, no selfies, all that kind of stuff. But yet we believe it. Why? Because we're trusting eyewitness accounts. We're we're trusting what people wrote down. So can we prove the resurrection? If, if, you believe that Abraham Lincoln was shot in the back of the head, then yes, we can prove the resurrection in a reasonable way. And I'm going to use three truths this morning uh, that most New Testament scholars would say that they agree on. Now when I say New Testament scholars, I'm not talking about just regular seminary graduates or professors even. I'm talking about Guys that scholars who are Einstein scholars that have spent their entire life studying the New Testament. And I'm not only talking about those who believe, there are many that believe in the resurrection, but there's also a lot of New Testament scholars that do not believe. They're skeptics, they're atheists that do not believe in the resurrection. And yet they all, all these groups and everything in between, all these scholars believe in these three truths that I'm about to share at least most of them agree. I'm not gonna, me and my wife don't even agree on everything, but most scholars agree on the three truths I'm going to share with you this morning. And the first one is this, is that Jesus died by crucifixion. Now, this is important. You'll see in just a minute later on that this is important to understand that Jesus really did die. Now, the death of Jesus is clearly documented in all four of the Gospels. Uh, All of them agree that Jesus was totally dead. I don't know if you could not be totally dead, but he was totally dead when they laid his body in the tomb. But you know, that's not the the only reason that I want to point to this. There are actually at least five non-biblical sources that attest to Jesus being put to death on the cross. And and there's a slide here that shows these are the the works that uh, are written that are not in our Bibles, They are not even people that believe in the resurrection, but and if you we don't have time to go over them this morning. But if you would like for me to send you those actual written documents, I will email them to you. So just contact me and I will send that to you. But because there are at least five non-biblical sources, and we can't just throw throw out the New Testament just because it was written by uh, his followers. But because of this, most credible scholars, both skeptics and Christians agree that Jesus was dead before he was taken off the cross. Secondly, we need to understand that they agree that the disciples were not lying. The disciples were not lying. Now, many skeptics will try to, will try to tell us that these stories, the story of the resurrection was fabricated, that they just made it up. And that kind of is a possibility. But you know what, to my surprise, These scholars, even the skeptics, do not believe that they were lying. They do not believe that they were making up stories. The skeptic scholar will believe that the disciples were convinced that they had encounters with the resurrected Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that these skeptics believe that they actually saw Jesus, but they would say that these guys were totally convinced about what they saw. They they weren't making up stories and fabricating them. Now, why? Why, would, why do they believe that? They believe that because of what these apostles endured through their lives, through the persecution when they professed that they had seen Christ. They could have renounced it, but they didn't, and it cost them everything. History shows that. And, you know, earlier this morning, I talked about, uh, just a minute ago, I talked about what if I told you I saw Jesus in the back room here? Remember that story? and what if I told you that Kelly was back there and she came out and said, yeah, I saw him too? And what if Terry said he saw it too? And then Terry, uh, Kelly, Terry, Terry's Kelly said, that's what, we, that's what we do all, anyway. So uh, she came up here and said, yes. And that Bobby, Bobby saw it. Well, okay, yeah, Bobby saw it too. He came up and saw it. And I I had 20 people come up here from the church that are church members. Nancy came up and saw it. And Sarah Chang came up and saw it. We know it would be true then, right? Would you believe it then? Let me ask you, would you believe it then? Well, what if I stood up here and the authorities came in and said, stop saying that. And I said, no, we saw it. And they assassinated me right here on stage. And the rest said, no, we still believe. We saw Jesus back there. And then over time, they lost their jobs. They were persecuted. They lost their homes. Their families were ripped apart. And they all died saying, we saw Jesus back there. Would you believe then? If not, you would at least have to believe they saw something that convinced them that it was Jesus. And this is similar to what the, 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 the accounts in the Bible are, is that the governing authorities told them to stop preaching. They would not stop. Some were put to death, and then some were, uh, some were taken away. Some were thrown in, in prison. The families were ripped apart, tortured. And you know what the, the truth is? That every single one of them, every single one of the apostles died holding to the same confession that they had seen Jesus alive from the dead. And maybe you're thinking, well, that, that doesn't prove anything because a lot of times people will die for a lie. I mean, I would say ex- that, that's true, but, but don't miss my point. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that they believed that they had encounters, multiple count encounters with the risen Savior, a real, in a real body, a resurrected body. The point is they didn't make up these stories. They were not attempting to deceive anybody. And so if the disciples weren't lying, then we need to ask the question, what did they actually see? What did they touch? Who did they talk to? Who did they eat with? Who did they see ascend back into heaven? What was it that they experienced that emboldened them to lose everything? Well, that's what I want you to think about. What's reasonable? What's a reasonable answer? Now, some people have come up with different theories. There's the hallucination theory. It's the, it's the theory that they were just hallucinating. They, they thought they saw him, but they really didn't. And that, that is a good theory if it was just one person. But in 1 Corinthians 15.6, this is, this is a passage that these scholars, these, both the skeptics and the believers, 1 Corinthians 15.6 uh, was written by Paul, and these uh, scholars would say, we don't believe Paul's lying in this when he wrote this. He's not trying to deceive anybody either. We can't go into why, but just trust me on that. Uh, He says, Paul said this, then he, speaking of Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. That's important to see there. At one time, most of them are still alive. Paul's basically saying, if you don't believe me, they're still alive, go talk to them. Though some have fallen asleep, though some have died. So the hallucination theory is credible if it's only one person, but groups do not hallucinate. Psychologists will tell you groups do not hallucinate together. So this theory is not reasonable. There's one other theory I want to share. Uh, It's called the swoon theory, and it's the belief that Jesus fainted on the cross uh, and did not really die. And so when he said, uh, some people think when he said, I thirst, I thirst, And they put the hyssop branch up there with the sour wine. They believe that he took it and it put him into this coma. And that um, maybe a deal was made between Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus with the guards. Hey, we'll pay you if you'll let us take him down, still alive. And so anyway, so they they believe that he was taken down and put into the tomb. And then uh, the next morning or the third day, he woke up, got out, and then appeared to the disciples alive. And and I want you to, I want to ask you, does that sound reasonable? That a man that had been up for hours upon hours, hadn't eaten or drinking, was scourged to death? We talked about how how he was shredded. He didn't even look like a man. Uh, He was spit upon, beaten, uh, pierced through with nails in, in hands. Think if I took, someone took you and drove one nail in your hand. You're not going to work on Monday, are you? He had all uh, both hands, feet, and on top of that, they rammed a spear into his side, causing blood and water to come out. Then they took him down, they wrapped his body in 75 pounds of uh, spices, and then rolled a 2,000 pound rock, 2,000 ton, two ton rock in front of the opening posted a military guard like the uh, seals and then we're supposed to believe that on the third day he woke up unwrapped him well I would say unwrapped himself but the the way that the, the language that's used in John when Peter looked at it 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 sounds like the garments were not unpeeled they were in they were like a cocoon like the body was just gone like a sleeping bag it was it stayed together but that he somehow Wiggled out, pushed the stone away, destroyed the guards, and then came. I'm alive. I'm, that would take. I'll, I'll worship that guy too. Honestly, wouldn't you? I mean, that would be a miracle in and of itself. But why don't we just? Why don't we just believe the resurrection? Why believe that? or something like that, instead of the resurrection. So we know Jesus died, or it's highly believed he died. Scholars believe that the disciples were not lying. And number three, lives were dramatically transformed. Lives were dramatically transformed. Now, it's very clear that the, the disciples went from being coward, pa- paralyzed cowards to roaring lions after the resurrection. You can't, there's no doubt that that's what happened. Uh, and when it comes to transformed lives, there's three lives that I want us to look at real quick uh, that prove this point. Number one is Peter. Remember Peter? The night of his arrest, what does he do? He denies Jesus three times and goes hiding. He lets a, a young elementary-aged schoolgirl scare him to death. But now on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, what's he doing? He's boldly proclaiming. He is alive. We have seen him. He's risen from the dead. Then there's James. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, G- James, and along, along with his other siblings, Jesus' siblings, his half-siblings, they all rejected him during Jesus' earthly ministry. That's well documented in the Gospels. But according to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that one of the people that Jesus showed himself to was his brother James, and that James became a believer. That means that he called his brother Lord. Now, how many of you have siblings? Think about it. What would it take for you to fall at your what would it take for you to fall at your brother or sister's uh, feet and go you are the Lord I will die for you and say you rose from the dead if he didn't Later James becomes the leader in the Jerusalem church and then he's martyred he was pushed from the pinnacle of of the temple and stoned to death because he would not recount we can't. What he had, what he had seen. Then there's the apostle Paul. He's the third one, probably the most influential apostle. He's definitely one of the most zealous, and he supported the resurrection. About uh, let's see, out of the twenty-seven books written in the New Testament, thirteen of them were written by the apostle Paul. But prior to his conversion, he fervently opposed the resurrection. When he's in the book of Acts, chapter 26, when he's on trial and he's given his testimony, he's standing before a guy named King Agrippa. We'll see this in a few months as we're going through, continuing through the book of Acts. But when he stands before them, listen to what he says. He says, why is it, verse 8, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is before he saw the resurrected Jesus. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them and I punished them Often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Paul hated the church and he wanted to put all of them to death. But then on the way, the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and he begins preaching that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, that he has been raised. From the dead. And in verse 21, continuing with King Agrippa, what does he say? For this reason, the reason, for what reason? For this reason, because I was preaching about the resurrection, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to the small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. In other words, this this was prophesied about in, our, in the Old Testament, and it's come to fruition, and I am just testifying what we already know to be true. Verse 23 says that the Christ must suffer. In other words, that he must die on the cross by being the... Uh, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. What happens to Paul? His life is, is it was t- I mean, he goes over the things that happened to him. Unbelievable. But he would never recant. He would never back down from what he had seen from whom he had heard. Paul was later martyred. We believe that he was beheaded for his testimony of the resurrection. Lives were dramatically transformed. So this morning, the whole thing I want us to see is that nobody, and I mean nobody, went to the tomb looking to see the resurrected Jesus. Everyone needed evidence. And this teaches me that, you know what? and I want to talk to the church right now, I want to encourage us that as we are sharing the gospel, this teaches me that it can take time for people to get what's going on. So be patient. Let's be patient as we share the gospel. Let's just keep planting seeds. Let's keep proclaiming the truth, knowing that God in his time opens eyes. This passage also teaches us that just like President, if you can believe in President Lincoln's assassination, um, then we can also believe in what Christ did. We, we don't, we're not believing in a blind and mindless faith, but one that is supported by reasonable eyewitnesses, eyewitness evidence. And so because of that, it's reasonable, reasonable to believe that Jesus died on the cross that the disciples weren't lying and something happened to transform their lives. So we have to ask the question, were they lying? Were they misled? Or were they telling the truth? You have to make a decision on the evidence. And you might be saying, uh, well, so what? You know, maybe it did happen. To me, it's not a big deal. If If you want to believe it, that's cool. But for me, it's not a big deal if I don't. And I would say that's, I want to stop you there and say, no, that's not true. What we're talking about, like I said at the beginning, is that this is the linchpin of the gospel. And if this didn't happen, then yeah, go on. Just do what you want to do with your life. But if it did, and it did, it did happen. I want to tell you, it did happen. I know it happened. Then everything else that Jesus said is true. He said, I'm going to rise from the dead. And since he did, that means everything else that he said is true. And there's times that that, I'm, uh, that I actually have questions. Is this all true? Is this... I'll, there'll be something in the Bible that's like maybe in not lining like I think it should. And I'm like, is it true? And then I, what, what do I do? I go back to the linchpin. I go, did he rise from the dead? I settle that matter. And then I go back to, well, he rose from the dead. I know he rose from the dead. And since it's true, we know that, that there is a holy God. We know he's loving Man, we know he's kind. We know he's creative. That video that that Lauren and Boaz did shows us part, partly the creativity that he's put into us. We know that, that that he is not like us, he's not boring. But we know that he's holy. Scripture says he's holy. And that means he doesn't tolerate sin. He, he doesn't play around with sin. Look at what he did to his son. That's what what the cross. Shows us, So we know that there's a holy God. We know that we rebelled and we know that there's a day of judgment and that we all must stand and give an account for the way that we stewarded what God gave us in our lives. We know that's true. And so that day that we stand before the Lord can be the greatest enjoyable celebration or it can be the day of terror that I can't even begin to describe. The resurrection teaches us that we need a Savior. But it also teaches us that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this. Are you afraid to die? I want you to think about that. Now, I know if, you're, if you profess to be a Christian, you're supposed to say, no, I'm not afraid to die. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are times I'm afraid to die. I get scared when I think about death. And that's because I've forgotten about the resurrection. And if you, let me, you're the only one that can really answer that. But if you're afraid to die, I want to give you some good news that will will put that to death if you'll believe what I'm going to share with you. If you're afraid to die, the resurrection teaches us you don't have to be. Because in John 6, Jesus says something. And again, since he's resurrected from the dead, we can believe what he says. He says this. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I'm going to read that again. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, and he's not just talking about the first time you come to him. He's talking to the church. He's talking about people that have been saved for two billion years. If you come to me, I will not cast you out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I've I've come here to do what God desires for me to do. Now, what is that? Verse 40, he tells us, for this is the will of my father. This is the desire of my father that everyone who looks on the son, that word looks there, guess what that word is? Beholds. It's the same word that is used when Peter looks at the cloths and beholds and examines. So what he's saying here is everyone who looks on the sun, everyone who examines the sun, he says, I don't want you to come to him and not examine the evidence. I want you to be convinced by the evidence. Examine the the evidence. Everyone who comes and looks on the sun and believes in him should have eternal life. And here is The good news, and I, Jesus speaking, will raise him up on the last day. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection if we will believe and be connected to him by faith. That is the good news. That is what was proclaimed 2,000 years ago, and that is what we are proclaiming today, this very day, on the day that we call Resurrection Sunday. And because of his resurrection, we know that we have forgiveness of sins because the resurrection proves that the father accepted Christ's sacrifice for us. So if you want a father, if you want to be his son, if you want to be his daughter, if you want to be made right with him, then start with the resurrection. Believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. If you want to live a life that is meaningful, that glorifies God, if you want to discover what you were created for, believe in the resurrection. Examine what Christ did. Examine what the the eyewitness evidence of the disciples. Believe in it, and then put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus and receive eternal life. In other words, respond to Jesus the resurrected Jesus today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.